everyone. It's me, Reshma Sajani, the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code. Welcome to Brave, Not Perfect. On this podcast, I talk with up-and-coming changemakers from all around the world, but with a little twist. Every episode is going to highlight ideas from my new book, Brave, Not Perfect. Fear less, fail more, and live bolder. Get ready to break free from the cult of perfection. Today, I'm talking to Claire Wasserman, the incredibly brave woman behind Ladies Get Paid, an organization that provides tools, resources, and most importantly, community to help women negotiate for equal pay and get their power in the workplace. Their mission, it's simple, help ladies get paid. Ask for a raise, negotiate benefits at work. And did you know that 60% of today's college graduates are women? yet less than 22% make it past middle management, we have to change that. I am so excited to talk to Claire today, who's gonna tell us just how she plans on tackling this problem and just how all of us can get paid. I founded a company called Ladies Get Paid. Um, So we are a career development platform and we teach women how to negotiate for pay and for power at work. We have an online network where more than 30,000 women from all over the world basically crowdsource career advice from each other. And so we're seeing women in Romania, talking to women in Oklahoma, talking to women in San Francisco. And, you know, these are women who, you know, at first glance seem like they have nothing to do with each other, right? Right. Culturally, they're very different, but they recognize that, uh, you know, the common bond here is really the struggle. You so know. why this issue of all the things that you could have done in your right. life? And how right. did you get here? Good question. How much time do you have? So uh, much time. So <laughs> much time. So I have to admit something. I actually never considered myself a feminist. Okay. I, okay. I, well, I didn't. I've changed. So <laughs> I, I thought that feminism meant that you had to sort of hate men yeah. or be a certain way. Uh, and then I had a realization that I, I believe in the equality of people, right? That's the real definition. How did you have that realization? Yeah, misogyny. Yeah, something. Something bad happened. Yeah. Yeah, so I, for my last job, they sent me to the Cannes Lions Festival. Um, So this is a major advertising festival in the south of France. Thousands of people go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I went, and thank God that I went, because it actually was the reason I started Ladies Get Paid. Wow. Uh, The first party that I walked into. What were you doing? Yeah, so I was the director of marketing at a company called Working Not Working. Okay. Uh, So it's a curated network of creative professionals, mostly in advertising, and they connect based on their availability. So are you working? Are you not working? Are you available soon? Most of the folks on there were, were freelancers. And so I you know, had this job where I got to see the intersection of you know, companies and talent. You know, why would somebody join a company? Right. Why would they leave that company? You know, and I, I realized that I, I was more interested in helping somebody thrive at their job than just getting them the job. You uh, realize this by working at this company. Yeah, and yeah. I had worked also in a similar company beforehand. So for about four years, I was basically in the recruit space. Yeah. Never the actual recruiter, but getting this bird's eye view. Yeah. How do we build like the talent pipeline, basically? For me, it was about creating community to get everybody excited about what we were doing, you know, to stay engaged, spread the word. And, you know, when you look back, I'm sure you feel the same way. You're always practicing for what it is that you end yeah, up creating. Totally. But it can. I walked into this party on, on the first night I was there and this older guy comes up to me and he says, Hi, whose wife are you? Oh, my God. You know? I think I had a similar kind of experience when I was over. Go ahead. Oh, my God. And it was just, it was like, I watched Mad Men, didn't know we were still in it. Right, right. And basically, the whole week was just me navigating gender power dynamics, being one of, you know, the few women who 
were there. I mean, the, the imbalance was, was a real what thing. What year is this? Probably four, four or five years ago. Okay. And I, I distinctly remember going into the ladies' room, <gasps> and all the women were there. I mean, it was like we were all crowded. Hiding. In the bathroom, right. hiding. <laughs> and, and, and trading business cards, and, yeah. you know, and business was happening in the bathroom. But also it felt like, like you mentioned, kind of hiding this yeah. sort of safe space. Yeah. And then we would all kind of put on our makeup and go back out there. Yeah. And that, that stuck with me. It's sort of funny because I almost feel like I've created the equivalent of the ladies' room. Uh-huh. Right, in your company. You leave this, you leave South France, and you're pissed. Mm. This, this experience is like staying with you. I'm pissed, and then I got really depressed because I felt like maybe I was the one who caused some of the awkward yeah. interaction. So basically, people would be drunk, and you know, I'd yeah. be objectified, and I'd be pitching the business, and I would get, you know, you're hot, you know, and it's like. It's exhausting because we need those people. Right. Those are our clients. So you can't just go, well, screw you, walking away. You need the money. Yeah. Right? And So you felt like you had to be nice and people please and like not uh, yeah. tell them to F off. Right. Well, also that's how we as girls oh, are socialized. To, yeah. Anyway. Hello, but not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I leave the festival and I ended up writing an essay. And the essay wasn't so much about what I experienced, but more about my process of trying to understand it. So why do I feel like things are my fault? You know, why do I think back on my career and find times where maybe I, I smiled too much and encouraged that kind of behavior. So unfortunately, it's this like typical Blame, sort of victim blaming. Right. Yeah. And I shared the essay with friends, didn't have the guts to publish it. But it was like your therapeutic email that you were sending. Yeah. Essentially, I got like, I got those in my inbox too. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I had, you know, my friend who wrote me back, she was like, I really think you should publish this. I know it's going to help other people. And it was just like, I think if people read this, they're going to think that I'm accusing them, even though I'm not. I'm just trying to process it. So instead, I said, you know what? Just pass it on to your friends. I I don't want to publish this. So she did. And then those people wrote me back with their stories. And then they forwarded it. And then those people wrote me back. So this inbox, you know, kind of went viral in our inbox. But it wouldn't be for another year until I created Ladies Get Paid. Why were you afraid to publish it? I thought that the men in my life... It would be like a dog whistle to them that, like, I'm anti-man. I mean, again, it was it's would so Would you publish far. it today? Oh, I've published yeah. way more. I mean, every <laughs> every week I have a newsletter where it's basically right. like, dear, I mean, you know this, dear diary. Yeah. And then there is action. So that's the key part is you sit with these stories. You have a lot of feelings. You share them. Okay, that's the first step. Yeah. And this, now what are we going to do about it? Well, and now what are you going to do about it? Right. And for a year, you know, I didn't do anything. And I just read I remember Googling women in the workplace, right? And like statistics about the wage gap and things that I had no idea at all about. But then the question is, well, what do you do? What action can you take to combat something that's so systemic and is overwhelming? So your inbox is full with all these women basically saying, me too. too." Yeah, it was me too before me too. too. And so now what? Yeah, so I hosted uh, a town hall. This was uh, six months before the election. So I had, before the sixteen yeah, election. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I say the election, yeah, I think yeah, we, yeah, we all yeah, know yeah. that's like, a capital which one we're E. Talking about. Ah. <laughs> the one we would rather not talk yes. about. But it was a pivotal moment, yes, in all of our lives, but in my business. 
I hosted a town hall. I'd been hearing about these town halls. That are you the, still working at this agency while you're, uh, while you're doing this? Or so you left? No. So I was still there, and I hosted an, uh, this town hall about money, and I wanted women to come and talk about right. it. So you're still at your job I'm job. still at my this job. This is your side hustle. This is my – well, so actually I, I produced this event as part of the company that I okay. work for. And the reason I picked the subject of money was because of what money represents. Yeah. So it's power, and it's worth, and it's value. So I knew by having that be the conversation starter that it would be a lot bigger than that. Yeah. Um, and also because it's taboo and it's right. uncomfortable to talk about. Right. And we're not supposed to. We're supposed to be like, please and thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. So grateful. And to talk about money in some ways makes us seem like we're too ambitious. Or greedy. Or greedy. Yeah. And and so just throwing the word out there in that room, money, what does it mean to you? And I had asked a certain number of women to share first. That's how you do a town hall. You kind of plant people in the audience yeah. to begin with their questions and stories. And out of that, it was just incredible to watch these women, I think, for the first time, or at least the first time publicly, yeah. talk about this. And there was a real kind of catharsis that happened. I want to back up a sec, because one of the things we talk about in the book is this idea of, like, just start. Mm. How daunting was it for you to do the town hall? Like, so that how, wasn't... What, it, that wasn't scary for you? No, because there was no plan afterwards. It wasn't, right. like, a public declaration of, this is my company, you know? And I was part of another company. Yeah. You know, so it, there were... I mean, sure, I was nervous because it was the first time that I hosted yeah. something like but this. But you didn't feel like – no, it's the same thing with Girls Who Code, right? It was like it, I wasn't building a movement. I was just doing a pilot. You right, know what I mean? right. Yeah, and it's one foot in front of the other, and I knew I could host a really good event since my background's experiential marketing. But after that, that night, I mean, I remember walking out of the, the town hall, and this woman who's a recruiter, she pulled me aside, uh, and she said, you should do this for a living. And I'm like, well, what, what is this? Like, <laughs> that, like this room, women? She goes, yeah. I don't know – but you should do it. And I couldn't get that out of my head. And yeah. I recently told her that. This is like three years ago. And she like literally started crying because that one comment so beautiful, really right? meant something to me, yeah. even though we didn't know what you know it, it was. was. But I went home and I, I just thought, well, wh what can I do out of this? I think you know the catharsis these women had and the realizations they had about money and their, you know, were they advocating for themselves? I had sort of begun to understand that about myself a year ago because of Can. And so no plans to do anything else, but I, I guess I had the wherewithal to start a Slack group. We'd been using Slack at our at our office. And um, so I guess for those of you who don't know what Slack is, it's um, an internal communication tool at companies. So employees can, yeah. you know, get into a chat room with each other and, and not have to email. And I recognized that that could actually make sense for community building. Um, you have different channels. There were themes that kept coming up that night. So at this point, you're still just trying to cultivate this community, but you don't have a business idea or a business plan or a business agenda. Well, really, there was also no cultivation of community. It was just, well, Let's I don't... Let's all go on Slack. Yeah, I don't plan on doing another event. This conversation was too good to end. Let's keep talking. Uh, and it was clear to me that we shouldn't use Facebook just because the threads of the conversations were so intense that having a channel for salary negotiation to me should not be the same as, you know, possibly a job channel. And, you know, and so, so how that's does how it become a business? Yeah. Well, about what was the thing that made, oh, aha, like I need to quit my job and go do this. Yeah. In looking at how much those women were talking to each other on Slack and they kept asking, well, can I invite my friend? So I put up a splash page. Sure. You know, sign. and then people would sign up at the splash page. I would add their email manually to Slack. I'm still adding people manually. <laughs> there is copy and paste. You, no worries. Yeah. And about two weeks later, I went to my boss and I said, I have to quit. I have to quit because 
I recognized, A, there was a need for a place where you could be very, very honest about the things you were struggling with at work, particularly as it pertained to gender power dynamics. That salary negotiation was by far the major thing that these women were telling me that they needed. Yeah. And also, if I taught somebody how to get a raise and she taught another person, well, then collectively, we are moving the needle on the wage gap. Or at least having agency, right. not sitting there and waiting and hoping that somebody pays us. So let's have a salary negotiation. Why do you think it's so hard for us as women? And like, when does that start? Like, mm. how young? Like, how, why is it so hard? Out of the womb. No. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I mean, in our society, you know, it's, again, taboo to talk about money. Uh, so there's for that. Um, I mean, I think in general, you know, it's sort of poor taste to, you know, to talk about money. Again, I just want to sort of be kind yeah. to, to the men and yeah, say yeah, generally yeah. that's yeah. Da- taboo. Listen, I mean, up until pretty recently, women were not responsible for bringing home money to the family, and this is me saying it in like an upper yeah, middle yeah. class, you know, recognizing the privilege of that, we didn't go to work. We were not responsible for making money for the family. This is recent. I mean, my mother was the third class of women at her college, Yeah, right? She's not no, that old. <laughs> so. Right. No, I mean, today, 40% of America's breadwinners are women. And you're right, that number wasn't at 40%, you know, 20 years ago. And so, so you think part of this negotiation is just new for us? I think... Not so much anymore. I mean, that's the first step of this is, you know, we're, quote, relatively new to the workforce. The other part is we are afraid of not being liked. Yeah. You know, that by negotiating, by pushing back, you are jeopardizing your relationship in some way. And that's not wrong. Yeah. That's not wrong. I mean, anybody who's read Lean In should know the term the double bind. Yeah. Uh, and that's when women, you know, who act assertively they may be looked at as aggressive. Yeah. And for women of like, color, really bad. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. We don't like strong women in the Mm-mm. same way. So have you found that when you teach women to negotiate their salaries for themselves, it changes other kind of toxic people-pleasing behavior, right, that we do? thousand percent. And this is actually why I'm so thrilled to be talking to you because the through line with everything that we teach is actually about the fear of not being perfect. Yeah. Even in a negotiation, I've had women tell me that one of their fears is that they will actually be given a yes and they won't be able to deliver, mm. that they've oversold themselves. So the anxiety is happening, you know, not getting the money and getting the money. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is really about do you recognize your own value and are you advocating for it? And then are you being rewarded for it? And you have to do that in so many steps in your life, whether it's a personal relationship or a professional one. Um, And we also see a number of women who feel like, you know, they don't have 100% of the requirements for a job, so they won't apply. Right. It's, again, when I teach these classes, I realize that I'm actually teaching the same concepts over and over again, but just in a different context. Right, right. So how long have you been teaching these classes for? So I didn't start out teaching. I actually hired career coaches. Yeah. Uh, and it was a profit share model. And it still is. We have a whole roster of amazing coaches all around the country. But I probably eight months, nine months into running Ladies Get Paid, I buckled down and I said, I'm going to create the curriculum. I'd gone to a ton of other people's classes and just nobody was doing it in my voice. Same way with Ladies Get Paid. There are tons of other women's groups out there, obviously, but none that, you know, had a sense of humor and had a sense of advocacy and activism. And I also wanted to show people that you don't need to be an expert to learn these things. I didn't 
graduate college negotiating or knowing how to negotiate. But if you study it, you practice it, you talk to people. So that was important to me yeah. that as kind of a novice myself, that I can show people that you can become really good at this stuff. So give our listeners uh, a tactic. Good. You tell me that. Oh, man. Teach so many, so many. To negotiate sure. our salaries. So the first one I'm going to say is, yes, you look up on the internet where the market research that you're doing, don't stop at the internet. We all look at Payscale, Glassdoor, and then we go... Okay, that's it. No, think about the people in your life who can help you. And you might think, well, I don't know anybody who is in my industry and can suggest, you know, their advice on how much to charge. So what I urge people to do is think about who in their kind of database and their network, I call them portal people. So who do you know that is incredibly well networked? Mm -hmm. Can you ask them to find somebody who can tell you yes or no, the research that you found, is that correct? So I would say give yourself, you know, the goal of finding out from six real people, you know, it did your market research is the ballpark, right? And that's the other thing is it is a ballpark. You're not picking one number. You pick three. So you have kind of the top of the, the pay band. That's what it's called. The rock star money or the fuck you money. <laughs> and then the feeling good money, which is the middle range yeah. that you'd be happy to get. And then your walking away number. And we spend a lot of time with women really digging into the walk away number. Because I think too often we immediately make sacrifices. Yeah. Because like, okay, we okay, want I'll it. just take it. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just be educated. Know your budget. Right. And know what you're willing to sacrifice financially if the offer really is giving you the things that you need. So do your market research, ask real people, have three numbers prepared. And then what I think is the most important part is you have to be able to show why you are a top performer. You're not getting the money because you deserve it. Yeah. Even though we know you deserve it, you're getting it because you've showed them real evidence of the work that you've done and more importantly, the impact that it's had and quantified. And I think that also speaks to something that a lot of women struggle with, which is, you know, singing your own praises feels like self-promotion. Right. You but know, you have, to, you have to learn how to basically talk about yourself. Yeah. And listen, you're talking about things that you did that you're proud of that helped the company. This is at the end. It's just you being a fantastic employee. How is that bragging? Do you, so part of this is like you got to go to other people and ask them to share their information with you. Do you find that it's easier to get men to share information rather than women, or what? I don't, I don't really talk to men these days, <laughs> to be honest. And actually, speaking of that, the women, so we have a salary negotiation channel in our Slack group. I actually have to frequently jump in there and remind everybody to talk to white men because they are the ones who are getting paid yeah. the most. So don't just ask other women in. Uh, because we're all probably not getting paid well. Right, right. Probably our men are more open to talking about it since yeah. that's how many of them have defined actually their self-worth. So are are there male allies that you think are part of this movement? We're, you're joking and saying that you don't talk to men. No, but I'm like, not joking. Yeah. <laughs> but, but going to that point, because I think yeah. that's important, yeah. right? It's like, don't we kind of need to n get them to tell us what they make so we know what we're supposed to make? Oh, a thousand percent. And all of my mentors have been men, actually. It's interesting. So I think the way that we will really change is when people in leadership do something about it, whether they're... Like Benninghoff, basically Exactly, saying, right. exactly. Now, that being said, most of those people are men. Fine, great, we work with them. That being said, change doesn't happen overnight. Right. So we have to make sure that the women who are junior, middle manager, sort of entry level, going, you know, rising up, how can they galvanize bottom up? 
right? Yeah. So that's our focus. As, as crucial as it is to establish, you know, male allies and, and get them on board, our personal focus is on galvanizing the women who are middle managers, you know, to demonstrate that, again, you don't have to wait for somebody. Yeah. You just don't. Yeah. I mean, I also think it's just, it's getting managers or people who are making hiring decisions to say, and I do this, like, okay, here's when you ask me for a raise. Like, Mm -hmm. I know I can get away with paying you less, but I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm going to pay you what you're worth. Right. You know, and I think, again, having collective consciousness amongst women who are managers and who are Mm -hmm. actually deciding people's salaries to do what's right. Sure. And, you know, just remember that it's not about ethics. It's about business. And it's very expensive for a company to lose talent. Billions of dollars are lost, you know, in revenue when people walk away. So it is actually in the benefit of the bottom line for the company to pay their employees you know, equitably, yeah. Um, because they'll be more productive, they'll yeah. be happier, and they'll, they'll feel stay. like they're paid their worth, and it's investing in them long term as opposed to just kind of just getting the short term discount, right? Well, this is a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for you. telling us how to ask for what we're worth. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to read your book, and, oh, thanks, and I'm going to interview Claire. you on my podcast. So. <laughs> so everyone, tune into that. Come to ladiesgetpaid.com. First of all, ladiesgetpaid.com backslash join because we want you to be part of that Slack group. Totally free to do that. And then at the top of the website, you'll see podcast. Click on that, and there's going to be the episode that Reshma and I do. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Brave Not Perfect. Want to make bravery a part of your everyday routine? You can buy my newest book, Brave Not Perfect. Fear less, fail more, and live bolder. It's on shelves now and available at your favorite local or online retailer. I can't wait to hear what you think. Till next time, this has been another episode of Brave Not Perfect with me, Reshma Sajani. Brave Not Perfect is produced by Tanya Zaparonik and Emily Scheinbar and edited by Jenny Josephson with music composed by Poddington Bear licensed under a Creative Commons license.